Hey up and welcome to the Temple of Blair. Uh, apologies if you can hear the fan in the background, it's fucking boiling in this godforsaken country we call the United Kingdom. This is a conversation with Katsu Hataka of the band Valtari. This one's really good man, I was actually quite intimidated going into this one because the sheer range and volume of Valtari records over the years spans quite a considerable amount and I wanted to do it justice. Uh, nonetheless, <clears throat> Valtari have two records with uh, Roadrunner Records, Torture and So Fine from the early 90s and uh, Katsu is incredibly honest, articulate and very complimentary and respectful to that time and uh, Roadrunner's impact on the music. So let's jump straight into it. Do yourself a favour, by the way, and check out the Valtari Facebook page for this year, man. It's the 30th anniversary of the debut record, Monk Punk, and it's the 35th anniversary of them being a band altogether. Let's jump into it. One, two, fuck shit up. And normally, I, I do just focus on like the road running years, but with Voltari, I felt like it's just there's too fucking much. <laughs> there's so much history. It's so diverse and it's so engaging that I wanted to spend a bit more time on the band as as it's mm. uh, now. So let's let's start there. If that's yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's more, the the whole idea of the band more or less developed during this Yes, with Roadrunner, for example. So, so they were pretty important. Thinking about the continuous story of the band, you know, music-wise, yeah. that uh, yeah. we kind of discovered what we need to uh, show to the rock world and what is need to be done, you know, in the sake yeah. of original rock and roll attitude. You know, that's really interesting. We'll 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 get to that. Because yeah. my questions were like directly at like the difference between the um and the, the monk punk and and anyway we'll get to it. Let's talk. You mentioned an upcoming release, and you've been busy the last few weeks. What's going on? Uh it's not very official yet, but yes, we are kind of uh, uh, having a note to our thirty thirty. Yeah, it's thirty fifth anniversary. Mm. Uh, what the band has been in existence. But uh, but it's 30th anniversary for our first release, and our uh, it's 30th anniversary for our start of our international career. Mm -hmm. So uh, we are more or less celebrating the, the our first album, Monk Punk, which came out uh, 91. Right. Okay. So so this is like. Uh, from where our very active active story of the band, you know, started really and and started to roll from these days. So the first five years when we what we spent in Finland were more or less just like uh, uh, creating our skin and 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 discovering what we are doing and and mm. just trying to get some 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 things to things to do in 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 Finland, which. Definitely, at that time, was was more than difficult because there was no real metal culture in the beginning when we started, or or uh, you know, it was more or less like the Soviet Union still in Finland <laughs> in the late eighties. Yeah, there wasn't any Finn troll back then, was there? <laughs> there was maybe underground, but but nobody could have ever imagined that they could stop. Up, stand up from the underground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this year, all about celebrating the thirty fifth, the thirtieth, 
getting yeah. out after the pandemic and enjoying 35 it. as a band and 30 as, as a, uh, a recording artist yeah it's impressive yeah. man i saw some of the footage of the live stream you did on new year's eve and you've still got it i'm not saying that just to blow smoke up your ass because you're here but it's always quite encouraging when you see the older artists still out there doing it and the same ability they did 30 years ago i think it's good mm. that's true yeah have you got any dates in for this year then I think I've seen a couple on your Facebook page. You're going to be able to get out, hopefully. We had already more than 10 dates in, in Finland for spring. Uh-huh. But but for for certain reason, they were, again, all of them postponed. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, our record release party for the last year, Global Rock, in, in Tavastia Club in Helsinki, which is the most legendary rock club in, in Finland. And uh, they have postponed our release show for Global Rock album four times now. Okay. And the fifth date is 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 uh, still in the air for for August. <laughs> so let's see. Yeah, we'll get it eventually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when uh, but we have some offers uh from uh, still some festivals both from finland and from abroad oh, okay so we are eagerly waiting for whether we can announce them or not or or whether there will be real shows or not you know it's 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 yeah. it's, it's all just still a bit messy yeah, even though it feels like we're coming to the end, it is still a little bit up in the air on in most regards. But I hope you, uh, I hope it all ties itself up, and I hope that, that maybe even if they deployed some rules or something to have socially distanced gigs or something like that to get people exactly, out. Exactly, exactly. That's what I've been wondering. That that why why on earth, you know, bands couldn't have had any like a distant shows or or I I I don't I mean in the internet, but you know with a distance and uh, within the crowd mm. what do you make of the live stream gigs that have come about in the last year i think they were, they were in existence a little bit prior to that but now there's like dedicated live stream gig productions which i think are, it's all right it feels like it might replace the live album in some way mm. yeah yeah we had one live stream gig last summer but we still feel that it's not the same you know you know youtube is full of full of uh, live live inserts from from various shows and festivals so still you know doing only the show in 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 live stream i don't know man you know it's mm. of, of course it's maybe better than nothing if it takes long enough time for for a possibility to do any shows but still uh i wouldn't really lean on it you know too much you know yeah i mean there's, there's, i i'm a production guy so i get off on watching a live stream gig and trying to figure out how they're maintaining the quality how they're doing the technical stuff but you can't yeah. be say when you look back at sort of live footage and they've mics the crowd up again here the atmosphere is kind of electric you can't really beat that exactly exactly mm, yeah maybe even from the you know the random live acts from youtube you can easier get the live vibe because it's been originally live situation but mm. but once it's not you know that the 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 cooperation of the audience and and the and the performer is so so tight and mm. and and so close and and so, such an important part of it the whole thing 
But do you have still, a favorite live album? To, to replace the camera with a crowd, you know, it's it's not yeah. really safe. It, it's still like a more like a TV show than a live show. In in speaking to like the the joining of the audience and and the music, do you have a favorite live album or a live bootleg? Yeah, um, there are, there are pretty many good good live albums. In fact, uh, from the newer acts, I uh, love a very much a Muse live album, which became some years ago with. For example, uh, in in the case of Muse, I see that that they have been able to bring the best part of the band into the live act and the li- live uh, release. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this way, I, I I think that the live album can be great. And and the same thinking about the old old school stuff. For example, Deep Purple in rock. Like, uh, no, no, Deep Purple in in Japan, live in Japan. That. That's one of my uh, all-time favorite live albums from the same reason that it gives definitely the best aspects from the, from the whole, whole band. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think my favorite, uh, this is sort of a recent revelation, uh, is Tenacious D live at the AC in, in oh, okay. and I think That's it's nice. Just, it is. I think it's, it's because it's a great video. It's on YouTube. And it, I think it's just because Tenacious D, very sort of, very ingrained in Hollywood and big production value. There's Dave Grohl influences and things like that. And it's got this yeah. massive backing and it's a massively commercial enterprise. And then when you go to the gig, it's just two overweight middle-aged men in acoustic guitars and they still deliver. And I think it really, it it's something about that almost a misdirect that makes it like super special. And the crowd's obviously into it as well because it's comedy rock and the, the songs stand up on their own. That's yeah, they I, are very entertaining. Yeah, definitely. That's the one I, that's the one I love the film. I love the film. I have yeah, underrated the film. Underrated. Yeah. A DVD tucked away somewhere. I do break it out every once in a while. I'm after have had a few drinks. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking about Otari in general, it's it's so. As I said, I, I was I was trying to focus on the Roadrunner stuff, and then I just found it so fucking compelling, and I kind of like felt it. It was almost criminal that I hadn't properly heard of you guys prior to this project. And yeah. the more I read, it's it's you're regarded as like avant-garde progressive metal, and I think that's it's not a fair term because it's too much fucking fun. You know what I mean? It's like it's like you take the experimental stuff, and mm. I don't know. I don't know if this is by design. I don't know if you've got a load of songs which aren't as fun and don't make the albums or don't make the records. But every time I put on a Waltari album, it is like upbeat, fun, and there's a definite vibe which is consistent throughout even mm. with the crossover and the experimentation. So I guess the question is, was it the blend of styles and things like that, was was that always like by design to blend styles and just keep the fun stuff? Yeah, you know, um, we are originally coming from the Finnish punk scene. And uh, punk, of course, always had an attitude that we don't care. And... Uh, and uh, and and also having a lot of fun when they're playing and and uh, i think that's kind of starting point for the whole whole crossover and 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 playing without uh caring about generous and stuff like this mm. it's it, it's been it's been very conscious choice in the way that um uh, 
when we started as a band and then we just went one day to the rehearsal room and we had a feeling that today we want to play something else that we are tired of playing this same same shit and mm-hmm. and uh, I I think it was our original drummer who told in the first place that hey let let's just play well what we feel and and uh, the naturality of of playing that that's a very big part of 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 our our policy and 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 our principle of in our band you know it's it's you can't you can't cheat yourself you know you must be uh, honest and uh, and for example in the case like me you know i have been interesting in you know music since five years old when mm. when it was still 70s so i have been going through all the genres for progressive rock to to punk and rap and metal and techno yeah electronic uh, gothic stuff you know it's it it's all very natural in me all in one one you know package you know it doesn't need to be that you need to create a different um project for expressing yourself in a different way why because you can do it all at once <laughs> and, and and that's what led zeppelin did that what 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 queen did and beatles and 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 all these classic bands with everybody you know are longing for and and still praying for so mm-hmm. so i don't see any reason why not to do like this because it's <laughs> It, it's it, it's natural to be uh, open-minded to me, you know, if you're yeah, a rock yeah. musician. Yeah. It, it's so cool. It's Normally when people talk about a band, they, they say things like, yeah, there's something in there for everyone, but I'd like to just re-engineer that to, no, there's a lot. There's a lot in there for everyone. You just need to, like, find it. And it yeah, and Queen did it that already, and, and, and no, nobody wonders why, because they are Queen. So we can say the same, that we are Waltari, you know, <laughs> yeah. You don't need to be anything yeah. else yeah. than yourself. Yeah, yeah totally, man. Um, so, yeah, yeah, die, die. Was Is that the first melding of... I'm just trying to give people a scope here because um, we're going to talk about the Roadrunner stuff and what that kind of sounds like. But, uh, yeah, yeah, die, die. It's, kind of, it's over on another realm of extremity. It, was it the first kind of meshing of classical and death metal or was there anything... I think so. Yeah. I think so. It was the first thing. The only thing which we were copying a bit at that time was uh, what Celtic Frost did, uh, one of their albums uh, called uh, Into the Pandemonium, where, where, where they did some he- metal riffs with uh, with uh, some, some violins and stuff like this. Yeah. That was 87 already. Yeah. And of course, on the other hand, uh, as I mentioned already, earlier you know i'm a i'm a i have been a fan of deep purple when i was a kid you know so i got to check out the john lord's classical pieces and and stuff like this mm-hmm. so mixing this uh original fan fan uh, to being a fan to this kind of stuff and and mix it to for example the period of of enjoy morbid angel you know it, it it then in the end wasn't very far out thought to to combine you know the latest trend of metal and heavy music to classical, you know. Just, uh, so just, it wasn't any rocket science, you know. I just, I just wanted to, to, to try to do the same what uh, John Law did in uh, 1969. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it takes. 
all it takes is the motivation to get the thing going. And of course, yes. That's the thing, isn't it? And I think there's, plenty, there's probably plenty of ideas such as those kind of uh, mashups, but people just don't get off their ass and do it. And that's the difference, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I, at the first step, I had a really big doubt that I we are not able to, you know, do it because we have no classical training or anything, you know, with so we just do everything from from our ear. Mm. So at, at that time, and nowadays, of course, we we have learned some some of it too. But but at that time, you know, you know, the biggest fear was that well, are we able to really play that? <laughs> Yeah. But 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 for surprise, you know, because we we have done already at that time. We did already our, our Roadrunner albums, and we toured a lot already in in uh, in, uh, in Europe. Mm. So just like uh, without realizing ourselves, you know, we have been becoming a pretty tired as a as a as a, as a players and became more more uh, so called pro. Mm-hmm. pro level you know sure it still stands up even though it was recorded what 1996 as mm. another anniversary <laughs> yeah yeah in in fact it was a composer already in 93 uh after our torch album but uh most of it but uh at that time it was just a far dream in my mind i didn't have any idea that we would have a chance to really make it so Right. Okay. But the first seats for the for the project were already nailed. You know, ninety uh, three. Wow. During the roadrunner period. I was going to ask: Were they not interested, or did you not did you not bring it up with them? Um. No, it was more like that. We were already changing the label at the time when we found out that we have a realistic possibility to to right. to do that. So originally, I I very much uh, planned it to be a roadrunner release because of the metal aspect of the of the label and stuff like this. So, so in the end, it became a pretty odd to me because it was later released by EMI, which which definitely hasn't didn't have anything to do with metal music. Mm. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> but, but originally, it was uh, yeah. Originally, it was planned to be a roadrunner project. Wow. Wow, missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that, on the other, that's just to like demonstrate scope. So we've got a death metal opera, but even on the, the new album with Skyline, the single that came off of that, it's it, it's a more more specific rap leaning or rap feature, and it's just delivered really. How do I put this? It's delivered quite sincerely. It's it's more like. Rock and rap melt, and rock and rap being put together isn't a, isn't a new thing. But sometimes it's delivered in kind of an ironic way, as if as if it's really remarkable that these two styles can work together. But mm. it's it's kind of presented as a song, as rather than a mashup. And it's just, I'm just trying to demonstrate you've got such a a, a span of different styles which have, have kind of um, have incorporated themselves into Wild Tigers music over the years. Yeah, it's a trip what started 1991 and it's been developing all the time. Uh, mm. So, for example, if I make a song and I don't know how to arrange that, you know, I took one of our older albums and scrolled through the list. Oh, this is a style we still haven't developed so much. So let's take this style and develop in this in, in this song. So, so with so, that... Uh, 
our our uh, benefit at that point is is that we have a such a large library of music that we can you know get back to any of the ideas we have had in the earlier days and 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 uh, develop uh, further develop that you know with with a new album it helps with like the live show as well having a, a richer back catalog you can flow a live set a bit more mm. uh, creatively but i was going to ask you as as for a waltari virgin knowing the span of which of musical uh, crossovers which you indulge in what would you recommend as like an entry point valtari album mm. I think the compilations, uh, especially, especially the decade compilations, decade one and decade two, it, it, they are the good, good ways because they, they, they kind of they kind of introduce you uh, to the to the variety of stars, but still plays more like a single songs and more easier, easier tunes without getting very deep in, <laughs> into the market. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, yeah, the compilations is always the best because there you can see the the, the variety and and uh, I I would call it richness more than more than the the the, the confusion. <laughs> yeah. mm. Your words. <laughs> mm. um, I I try to be positive. <laughs> uh, additionally, you 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 composed for video games, didn't you? You did uh, Max Payne one and two. Yeah, that was my uh, first real solo project. You know when. May, maybe the one and the only time Walter really was having a bit longer break after uh, after the exhausted nineties, you know, when we all were more or less like a second leg in the <laughs> in the grave. It, it it was such such a hustle the whole 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 nineties decade. So we need to have a bit longer break, and just by accident, you know. I got a possibility to uh, to compose a, a, a computer music, which I had been at that time I had been dreaming about for many years already. Mm -hmm. And of course, with the real rock band, it wasn't so possible. So, so to me, more than uh, doing a music to to any game, you know, to to me it was more like uh, uh, to fulfill a dream to create the music to the you know to the screen into a different you know, medium. Yeah, no, not to the 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 rehearsal room. So yeah, yeah, it's it's weird because when I when I was listening to to um, yeah yeah die die, I was thinking there's like such there's these days with the advent of like independent video games. Now there's a lot more than there was. There's been a massive explosion say the last fifteen years in the indie game market. And I was like, this would really suit an indie kind of title somewhere. I think there's like more potent ground for this more than there ever was and it's interesting how i was looking at it through that lens 25 years after that album comes out which might not have been even thought of at the time maybe it's just my sensibilities about video games it just felt like there was a good match there um or at least in the style in which it was delivered yeah you're talking about max Payne still i'm talking i'm talking about just any game i think i was thinking um, mm. about yeah yeah die die just the way it sounds now yeah yeah uh to, to be honest yeah yeah die die was the reason why they want one wanted to hire me to uh to uh, to the to 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 compose the max Payne because uh right they knew about my capability with with orchestra and, and uh they had already idea to to do a kind of film noir kind of old old school uh soundtracks 
stuff with with the orchestra and and and, and because they knew me and they knew my work with a with the Valtteri with, with the orchestra so so that was the biggest reason why they wanted to have me there that makes so much sense and it's so weird how when i was listening to the album and thinking this would be appropriate that's probably exactly the same thought process they went through yeah <laughs> and, and it's very strange because i don't really consider myself as any any kind of classical composer you know i'm just a composer who wants to do anything and mm. and uh but but it's of course it's a big richness you know having this having had a possibility to have these uh, these experiences with the orchestras because of of course it's it it blows your head it gives you such a new world of of comp- uh, co- composing totally yeah, yeah. of course I'm, I need to, I'm che- I keep trying to get into some classical music but I find it so difficult it's so fucking difficult I was mm. um. I, I I remember studying it a little bit at school, and even then it was it was it was sort of presented you know in like a weird tunnel visioned way. It's like this, mm. we're going to do a waltz, therefore you got to listen to three waltzes, and then that was more accessible. But when I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to listen to the Brandenburg Concerto. It's just like <laughs> this is going in one ear and out of the other. It's not quite yeah on here. Yeah, you know, um, of course we had an orchestrators there who wrote. The notes you know because i can't write any notes i just record my my uh orchestral parts with synthesizers and then i pass it on to the orchestrator who who made the score out of that so wow of nice. course this guy's uh part has been also very very important in this project you know uh with the max Payne, we we did first time use the plug plugins uh orchestra orchestra plugins which started to be kind of developed already in the early early 2000 Mm -hmm. and uh, so we didn't use any real orchestra in the in the in the computer game and of course that 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 wouldn't suit there because computer game is computer game you have to make a music with computers yeah yeah i have to make the aesthetic match up somehow the, the cello player of Apocalyptica was playing some some solo cello there or, or, and, and stuff like this, but 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 still, you need, we uh, we ninety ninety percent was was just like a programmed it's programmed music. How you're you're working with the conductor of, of the orchestra, the the person who wrote the music for for Die Die was you recorded it on synth and then it was passed over because this is in the years before Ableton. So you couldn't just send him a project file for him to try. No. <laughs> you had to do it by ear. I gave the guy a C cassette. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and I just follow the procedure from beside that, that the notes are, are, are a bit like uh, I, I played them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we went through the score and he showed me how it goes and we went through the melodies and I just double checked that everything is like I, I, I wrote but you know, of course there was no file sending at the time <laughs> it was far more exciting <laughs> than that so I guess that's I guess I'll, I'll round off this bit by anyone who's listening go for the decades albums the two decades albums and go for, for yeah yeah decades, <laughs> yeah that's, that's a good that's start one. And of course, Spotify has almost all of our albums. The one is still missing due to the contractual reasons, but but ninety uh, percent of our stuff is there. So of, of course, the Spotify is easy to scroll. You know, you scroll through the albums and yeah, yeah, 
but I, I I prefer the last one, for example, very much because it's it's uh, with the last two albums we have had an aim kind of uh, to to summarize almost everything we have been dealing with and, and experimental with and somehow you know the last two albums there are some small orchestra pieces and then some very poppy stuff some electronics and then just like a straight on guitar oriented music too so mm. so the global rock is in that way is pretty good album but I you know i'm it. the artist i always think that the last album is the best anyway <laughs> and the most interesting all of it, this is the thing, this is the point I'm trying to hit home with everyone, is it's all super accessible. So even if, you know, it, it, with the ebbs and flows with certain bands, like you might not like the Beatles, like in, Indian influences, and you might have ordered those albums. But if with, you're British, you must. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but my, my point is, though, is it, it's, there's always hooks, there's, it's always fun. Yeah, exactly. Regardless of the way it goes, yeah. there's something a lot yeah. even for everyone. And I think that's the point I want to hit home with. That's the reflections I've had over the last few days. And to me, you know, the grandfather of all the crossover albums definitely is Beatles' White Double album because yeah. it was a kind of music which I first fell in love with, you know, when I was in a very, very young boy. So... And and that was the word I kind of learned that, hey, this is the way the rock bands are working, you know, mm-hmm. that they do, you know, whatever they feel. And uh, so it, it's not the, any, any any strange that you mentioned Beatles, because, of course, they have been the first real crossover band with doing yeah. almost everything. And, and all the classic bands, more or less, are imitating them, you know, if you think of the last... Last 50, place, fifty mm. years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's let's dig into some of the Roadrunner stuff. Um, because yeah. this is a it is a point of pure intrigue on my part because. We'll get, we'll Before going to that, you know, I finished the answer to your first question, and yes, we are doing something for our anniversary, but you will here a bit later I, yeah i assumed you were gonna disclose that's fine <laughs> and 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 another thing you were talking about having fun you know that that's a keyword to this this uh, project what we are doing cool cool it's oh, not okay. any uh, it's not very serious one this time watch this space i guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so when we talk about roadrunner you, you assigned to roadrunner after monk punk how hmm. did that come about? Because they had at this time, they had the offices in the UK, the US. I think they had one in Germany, in France at this point, in Amsterdam. But they didn't have one in Finland, I don't think. Unless I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, we kind of started the invasion with with a younger metal bands. We started the invasion from, 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 from bands to travel from Finland to Germany in the early 90s and i i think we kind of more or less started the whole movement because uh we were as as, as a band at the time we were in the situation that we had to move out from finland or or nothing will happen so and there started to be some echoes from some small independent bands going to visit berlin and and stuff like this so we we kind of started to 
get keen on it. And and uh, finally, when we were still having our daily work, we uh, spent like uh, six months wages and and went to Berlin for a few months. And 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 there, we met the Roadrunner. We of course wanted to. Uh, be signed there internationally with at that time sounded just like an impossible task for any Finnish man. Mm-hmm. But we went to Berlin and we met some labels. Roadrunner, in fact, wasn't the only one. We all also negotiated with Noise Records, which was my favorite metal label at that time because they had a Celtic Frost and Voivod and, and all, all these interesting avant-garde metal stuff, which I, I personally always love. But Roadrunner gave us a better, better um, contract, so mm. so we took a grip of that. In fact, more or less, only one which which I personally knew about Roadrunner at the time was was the first albums of Creator, and then of course Sepultura, which we all enjoyed a lot at that time. Yeah, you're the first person in this. I've I've done about sixty, seventy hours of interviews. You're the first person to say, "Yeah, Roadrunner had the better deal." <laughs> Oh really? <laughs> okay, you can then imagine how how bad was the deal of from noise. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the deal was crap, but you know, compared to the our life before in 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 Finland, you know, this was this felt like a heaven to us. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, there was no no know how about making an international deals in, in in Finland at that time. So. Mm. So we made a lot of uh, business-wise mistakes with it, but you know who cares? You know we wanted to get away from Finland, away yeah. or another land, and they knew that. Then they knew that that we won. So there was not really much uh, alternative then than to take it or leave it. <laughs> Do you remember who it was who signed you? Who was the A and R representative? In fact, it was a new girl called Jana Possel who, who discovered us. And it was a pure, pure accident. You know, we were having, in fact, um, our first album, Monk Punk 91, had, had a minor distribution in, in Germany at the time through a semaphores, a small company called Angry Fish Music. Okay. Uh, Michael Bulgrin was run run the label, and uh, he had uh, connected to Semaphore distribution somehow. So so we got the Europe wide uh, distribution already for our monk punk album. So so that was the reason why we decided to go to Germany and 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 check out how far our wings can carry. Mm. So. Uh, but for a big surprise, you know, when we started to play the club shows as a very anonymous band, you know, we started to get offers from from a German labels and a metal label. So, so it was kind of uh, full of the accidents. And and the in fact, our first gig in Berlin ever, we played in a Berlin Independent Days. Um, happening which was uh, a bit like a uh, popcorn for a more indie indie level bands right okay and we played one of the evenings there in ecstasy club in berlin and then john apostel who was about to go start start as a worker of roadrunner next monday 
he went there and and just by accident and saw the band and he said, "Hey, this band I want to sign. This this will be my first job in Roadrunner that I will sign this band <laughs> to Roadrunner." And, and so China Possel is the guy who we all need to thank. You know, uh, without her, you know, we wouldn't talk here. Definitely no. So. What's, she, what's she doing now? Do you know? Did you keep in touch? She gave up with a business, I think, some, 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 somewhere on the way. You know, I talked with her maybe 10 years ago or something. Maybe it was due to the some, some mm, business information regarding a road and album. So start, something like that. I, I, mm. I'm not sure, but. But uh, then I understood that she has changed the, you know, to the different business uh, yeah. away from. Music. It happens. It happens a lot. Yeah, offense, offense. <laughs> so, did you have any reservation? Presumably, you didn't because you were playing kind of avant-garde metal. But with the the uh, reputation that Roadrunner did have, which was they are starting to do thrash, they're starting to do death, and they are very much in that world. Did you have any reservations at all, or were you just thinking this is the this is the vehicle we think that can carry Waltari and give it the treatment treatment? This is it? a vehicle, and 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 we were all a big metal lovers at the time. You know, I was a big metal head at the time, so so it it was of course it was the best possible because we we already understood that you know we can't no one can put us to the certain category, so so we kind of find out that the, for some strange reason the metal audience was the, the the ones who really started to you know like us and 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 take us you know uh to, to their liking so so hmm. so it was kind of natural choice to, to choose a metal label because it still it was a hot new trend at the time yeah, uh, it it wasn't such an old <laughs> old horse like it 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 could start to be nowadays. But you know, it was very fresh and 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 trendy style in all ways, and and nobody had idea to where the whole whole uh, genre at that time will go. Mm. So I think uh, the reason why they signed us was that they wanted to uh, bring the or, or or to get the kind of modern. To create a model metal, you know, with uh, which then later turned to new metal or 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 metal core or stuff like this. So, yeah. so it makes this was maybe the first seeds, and 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 I kind of uh, respect Roadrunner from being a kind of uh, long distance watchers with this. That they they wanted to, they had an idea that metal will be transformed to somewhere, but nobody didn't know where. So maybe. That was the time when when they thought it was interesting to take us and and see. Still, we were the long hair guys, you know, and and not looking like a Rick Astley or something like that. So, so we were still rockers and we were metal guys, but but of course, to make the version from Madonna Vogue at that time was was pretty pretty <laughs> pretty far out. But it did work because that was the first song which uh, which created some radio playing in Europe. From us. I completely agree with your assessment of where Roadrunner was and what they were trying to do because in in uh, Monk Punk there is a certain like less like an alternative angle to it, obviously by the nature of which it was it was um, written and performed. But the label at the time was like 
okay, we are in death and thrash, but we are looking forward to like branching out into like more alternative ways of doing things. So mm. I can see why they would have gone, oh, Altaria is like a potent. Uh, and uh, if if you can think that we were kind of the ones which which uh, uh, was a direction to new metal, then for example, Typo Negative, which, which they signed at the same time, was then a, a pioneer band of a goth, goth yeah. metal style. So, so I must say that the Roadrunner did excellent work at the time with, yeah. with, with finding bands and, and uh, you know, creating a new genre, sub-generous for metal. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. So when um, let's get into what you were alluding to earlier. So we have uh, Monk Punk, and then the Roadrunner years start to help develop the direction that Valtteri would go and yeah, sure. a little bit more free. So let, can you just explore a little bit about that, of how you, you just decided, ah, fuck it, let's just play what we want to play. Let's not put ourselves into any boxes. Yeah, you know, we had a kind of principle when we moved to uh, Berlin from, from Helsinki that uh, we're going to make this, you know, in one condition that we're not going to sell our souls. <laughs> and maybe after becoming a, a artist of Roadrunner, we can't maybe a bit even over overthink thought about this, this, this principle that we need to stay as we are, that we can't give our, our small finger to the devil. Like we say, in Finland, I finish that, that, um, that we had a like of we had a kind of mission in our minds that we must bring this this idea to the rock world and nothing else will do. <laughs> Did that surprise them in any way? So when you were um, composing and recording torture, were they surprised that it was a little bit more diverse and a little bit uh, more out there, or were they like, yeah, crack on, boys? Not do. at all, you know. This was a torch album was exactly what they expected and wanted, you know. And 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 of course, uh, still listening about our our back catalog, I think the torch is still one of the most straight edge albums of of, of our career. Mm. And and of course, it has its it's already its diversity ideas, and but the sound world is pretty pretty straightforward and and. The, of course, due to the fact that the budgets were still so small that there was no possibilities to, to make any big sound changes during the mixing process. But uh, they were very happy about the album. They were very happy about definitely. And and after that, we we started a lots of lots of live shows and touring after that. So so they really really were into the album. Cool. Who was it at the office at the time? Was it Hank? Hank Hacker, of course. Hank, Hank was always there. The, uh, the others came and went, but Hank was always there. The case Wessels we didn't really see except you, Charles, but because he, he was a he was owner of the company, right? Yes, he, he would typically his time would be spent between Amsterdam and New York, especially in the early nineties. Yeah, yeah. So, so th that's why we called him, of course, the father figure of the company because he was the owner. But, but Heng was the guy who was always there, and of course, at our time, it was Jana Posel too. Right. Okay. Well, did, did you have dealings with Stefan Costa? Yeah, Stefan came a bit later. Uh, he came from the jazz firm or something. He came from a jazz label. Yeah, jazz label. Yeah. Then he'd go down to the Amsterdam office, and then he'd go to New York. 
Yeah. I mean, V were the company until about the early 2000s. Stefan then had a quite big touch uh, to our So Fine album. And I think they gave him kind of a job to 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 uh, watch out for, for, for that album. Right. Okay. So he was the, 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 the caretaker at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Caretaker. Uh, torture, we did very fast, you know, after the signing and they didn't, they heard only a few, few songs beforehand, but with so fine album, they wanted to hear the whole material beforehand. And that, of course, uh, created a big, big, uh, not big maybe, but, but small kind of, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that we had a kind of different idea how, how the next album should be. And, and, uh, that's why I personally think that the soul fine wasn't so good at the torture. Right. Okay. What was it they were trying to direct? They didn't know. <laughs> that, that was the problem. They, they wanted to direct to us to somewhere, but they didn't really know to where because mm. it was impossible task. You know, <laughs> nobody can direct us. Uh, us yeah. really. You know, it, it, it all must happen naturally. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, uh, for So Fun album, we demoed, I think, more than 30 songs. Right. At least 25, 30, a lot more stuff that is including the album. And, and then because the guys wanted to hear the whole material, that was a kind of kind of uh, mess, you know, start to decide what songs will be there and which not, because, you know, there was, there was such a lot diversity much more bigger diversity with sofi material than than torture material i guess that was made it better for them though because they having such a volume of product then they could exercise their a and r function and try and decide which is the most yeah applicable to the markets or whatever and i kind of think uh discovered that stefan kerster then tried to be you know the mid guy you know between the band here and then the, the hank and the label here so mm-hmm. stefan tried to like uh crisscross between, <laughs> between the both parties so so from my taste you know it got a bit messy with that album you know torture was very simple to do than easy to do but uh but but but, but so fine it, it became a bit more chaotic you know the the, the process yeah the album making process no i think i think it still sounds good though and it's um it's it, so fans obviously like big staple live and uh, well from what i've seen yeah yeah the big surprise of course for the metal rockers what was that they decided to have a so fine song for the single song because mm-hmm. the band was definitely thinking about it as a very experimental uh piece a piece in the whole 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 structure so so uh, it was very big surprise that the metal metal label wanted to have a soul fine as a singer because we were not even sure whether they want to have it on the album because it was so different from everything else. But at the time, Roadrunner have got like dance imprints. There's one in the UK called Lafayette. I don't know. Oh, I think the one in Europe was um, Mocam Records, I think, and there was one in the states as well. So I guess maybe they were tapping into the potential of, okay, there's I some like, so. there's like yeah. some Euro trance things, like aesthetics here. There's some electronic of course. here. And yeah, Prodigy like, was coming. A Prodigy was coming. Yeah, um, yeah. And all, all, all this, 
Nine Inch Nails. So it was very, very big, important period, you know, of course, with the, with the electronic stuff. But, but of course, later on, I understand that because of the, that, that was the only song which was so electronic. And then the other stuff was, was pure, pure rock music in a way at, at, at least the in, in, instrumentation was rock so so mm-hmm. it was pretty pretty difficult to to to, to market yeah yeah well how um was the relationship just in on the day-to-day did they keep you busy did they keep you on the road yes yes for sure we are doing it all the time you know I, uh, if you ask me you know i've been a uh, full-time musicians you know for for 30 years wow so no time for anything else yet. Yeah, yeah. Did, um... Of course, you know, I um, these days I, I work more from the uh, freelancer level. So so I can do whatever, you know, and, and if, if people uh, hire me to something, you know, of course I, I, I'm in. But, but of course, Walter is still like the backbone of all my doings, you know, that, that that's, the, that's the kind of a key key project of, of all I'm doing at the moment. But, but I do a lot of side project solo and also for the other people with the other artists and, and uh, even some production work, but, but only music. And uh, thanks to, thanks to these, these lively years in the early nineties that, that, that they are still giving that groundwork mm. yeah. to work on with. Did you did you get U.S. distribution when you were with Roadrunner, or did they keep it within Europe? Uh, who was the Monty? Monty Connor was the Monty. Uh, Monty Connor was to see our show in in London with a so fine, so fine album, but uh, it was very short. It was like a 30, 45 minutes, and we just didn't find. We just couldn't be able to find the right set list for him, really, because we kind of understood the the the, the, the business problem as it that that if if we play a pure metal uh, set to Monty and then he listens to the album, oh no no this is not this is not as metal as they played, yeah, on the gig. So so we just and the venue itself wasn't any special what we played there at the time so so it it wasn't the best evening if it could be the best evening you know in cologne or somewhere uh, hamburg in in germany i think maybe monte could have changed his mind but after seeing that show you know he thought that no no this is not for america interest it's interesting it's first time i've seen someone when you when they're having to make a decision about an artist breaking out of a particular territory, it's almost like you you were it's almost like you were going to get signed again. You have to impress the A and R guy from that territory. I find that exactly quite exactly, and, and 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 we felt a bit strange about that because we have been, you know, doing a pretty good uh, success in 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 Europe already for some time. So it it felt like like a schoolboy, you know, why we need to go and, and try to prove himself something, you know, which we've been doing already for, for some years here. So mm. Sumanam, it was a pretty odd situation when, 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 when he came to watch us, you know. I guess maybe that's how Case likes to run his business. Maybe that he had like all those territories competing in a way to keep everything fresh. And that's yeah. why practice was there, maybe. I'm and, and of course, in Monty Hands, you know, there was the most most uh, successful acts from the from Roadrunner. So I think uh, 
his position in the label was was uh, maybe the biggest. So mm. yeah, but oh. from my you know point of view, you know he he of course should should have give us a chance because then after that we decided to go more into metal anyway. I'm so fun <laughs> so. So next few albums were far far more metal than that. So, yeah. so uh, he should have given us a chance because then you know, the following year they became Corn and stuff like this. Then yeah, in America, mm -hmm. yeah, and Atmosphere came out on Big Bang. It was, yeah, it was the melding was a bit more refined. I I, I don't how in in the in the canon of Valtari, Atmosphere is the song I see most like in live gigs and what's selected for like the live whacking shows and stuff like, you know, when they do like 15 minute snippets and things yeah. like that. So yeah, it is interesting that Roadrunner fell off around that era. How did- Exactly, exactly. Because I think that would have been, uh, you know, very suitable album to them, their, their catalog. And, uh, yeah. and, and again, we started to record Big Bang album for Roadrunner still, but, uh, but for some reasons, they didn't like the material. All right. So that I was about to ask, how did the relationship end? But I guess it was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't like the uh, material. What? What the hell? I, I think this is stronger material we have ever made. And so we didn't have any other chance than to go to another label. Because they, they, they had a very strange ideas about uh, changing the vibes of the song somewhere totally different, which, which was like nonsense to us and 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 totally craziness so mm. Who yeah and this is we have decided that we uh, we must follow our heart and our intuition and and this is what we had to do so we had to move on mm. we, we would have liked to continue with roadrunner but music wise it wasn't just possible and and we were sure that we had ruined everything if we had followed there so-called instructions for for the material that that wouldn't be wise at all wow so, so it, was it a matter of leave the label or change the songs hmm was that the exactly one yeah. Okay. yeah usually they just sort of drop a band and just go ah oh, we're not feeling it off you go we wish you well but uh i mean, i guess at least they it's not even at least they tried i think you did the right thing anyway yeah yeah my germany in fact, there was some money involved that EMI Germany bought us from Roadrun. So, oh, wow, okay. So it was a kind of big, big trade at that time. So, as if, as if I never knew that. That's in, that's really interesting. You see yeah, a little bit about that sometimes, but uh, yeah, never read it in in relation to Valtari. Who was it? Who was um, was it? Still Stefan? Who was the go between? At that point, who was telling you the label's not feeling these these records? Oh, this record. yeah, and Hank, yeah, and and Hank too. Yeah, Hank wrote me a list about the demo demos of the Big Bang, how we should uh, arrange the songs, rearrange the songs. <laughs> 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 and we read the read the list, and we were like, oh, God. <laughs> that he wanted us to turn into boy band or something. I'm like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. He had his fingerprints on everything then. Yeah, I think I have it somewhere still. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it man, was such a it. funny paper, piece of paper. 
Um, so looking back would, of, of, of your time with Roadrunner, would you have done everything different? Because everything worked out in the end, if you ask me, mate. It, it, big Bam was, a, was a, a big hit, and you've gone from strength to strength since then. I mean, it's a shame that, um, uh, yeah, yeah, Die Die did not end up. Yeah, yeah, because that, that was also brand. meant to be a Roadrunner album, yeah. Oh. And I think both both Big Bang and Yeah Yeah Die Die would have been very good Roadrunner albums. Yeah, totally. I mean, um, do you on, when you reflect on that time, do you do you have any regrets? Would you do anything differently with your time with Roadrunner, or does it all play out as it should have done? Mm, I think it was all connected to the, uh, the this this small mess with the So Fun album. I think with. Not necessarily with a big bang, but, but I think with so far an album, I would have liked to do maybe thing a bit more differently if I would have if I would have possibility to do it now because it was uh, we were so self assured at that time and we wanted to uh, put up the real real crossover symphony with so far an album that we could have continues a bit more straight edge style a bit more longer at the time to 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 establish our position in in, in the roadrunner's eyes so so maybe the the it was that we uh, we think maybe to to um how should i say too difficult with a, with a sofa or, or <laughs> Uh, we could have made that an, an, an another version from Torture, but more in the way of Big Bang, you know, to my taste, mm. maybe. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but things, you know, they play out as they're meant to play out. Yeah, and you know, uh, it was uh, thinking about our career after that, you know, it's the Soul Fine has been a very important album, though. Yeah. It's, it was a. Uh, it has been uh, commercially one of our biggest uh, successes in 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 the European, and, and the Soul Fine song was a kind of minor hit in various countries in 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 Europe. So, yeah. so thinking about our career, then it has been pretty important album, just like yeah. that. But if you ask about the relationship with Roadrunner and the, and the continuity with them, you know, we should have maybe do a bit more different solutions. Yeah. Music-wise, uh, already with a soul fan album, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been it would have been good to see it, but hey, it is it is what. Is there any are there any stories or anecdotes from those days which I might have missed? You seem full <laughs> a lot, I think. Yeah, <laughs> maybe the most funniest is the is when we played in um, Bonn. I think it was in Bonn. There was a festival in Bonn just just when the so fine album was about to be released and uh, our tour manager was Thomas Moravets who has been the uh, uh, tour management boss of Rammstein since the first album well and Thomas Thomas was at that time our our tour manage management and um at the evening when we playing Bond, there was a therapy playing, and we were playing and then some some other various, maybe maybe mostly German act, but it was a kind of big big in in hall festival, mm-hmm. and uh, and then in the same evening we got to know that uh, the so fine song was climb up number one in Holland, oh. 
Great. And to having a tequila bottle there in our backstage, that wasn't a good, good combination of that new <laughs> with that news. So we also with with Thomas, our tour manager, we all all ended the bottle and and then we created some stupid hustle in the, in the, both in the backstage and in on stage when therapy was playing. So. <laughs> So Thomas got got stabbed from from his uh, work after that, and we had like a two two weeks break with the touring, and we didn't know what what happened. We went back to Finland, and we were waiting what will happen next. So and and uh, Scorpio, who who was our our booking agent at the time, they got a new new replacement for Thomas then and. And 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 in two weeks, and then the tour tour continued, but yeah. but that was a hard evening, and and <laughs> and we were so young that we 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 could have acted this, this situation a bit more wise way. <laughs> but it was the first time we saw that we won we were number one in somewhere, so it was a big moment. So yeah, who, who cared about therapy at that at that moment? Did you say Thomas got stabbed or stopped? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Quit. I mean. Oh, thank God. He was getting, no, 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 no stab. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. My my English. I I I've been too long here now. <laughs> Without <laughs> any any tour, uh, traveling. Sorry, mate. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. I was just thinking, shit, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He got quit. He got quit, and 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 uh, and. Uh, yeah. So we had to find another one. So, so it was, you know, Thomas was kind of a, a, a extra extra person in our mm. band. So, so yeah. it was also a kind of stupid situation. <laughs> but shit <laughs> happens, you know. Yeah, totally. This is rock and roll, especially in the 90s. It was still rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, all right, mate. Well, thank you very much. I, I appreciate your insight. There. It looks like you had a. Well, you're very articulate, and you clearly got a really good memory. So it was it was good to start like, dissect the. Uh, we have lots. Of how, yeah, yeah, lots of good good stories in in these two years with Roderick, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, if you do remember it, just give me a shout. We can, we can, we can do a five minute one where you tell us another one. But uh, yeah, um, thank you very much. I'm going to let you get back on with your day. All the best. Thank you, Jim. Have a good one.